The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! <laughs> How about that? You should have been pulled in the front of the It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's Enrico Velazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Road Fanatic Podcast Network. It's episode 52, the Bruce Chen edition. For today's show, we have a special guest, because that's what we do on this show. We bring you top-notch guests with the most knowledge every time, all the time, 60% of the time. Roto Fanatic's own prospect guru, Michael Richards, joins us to go prospects, prospects, prospects. It's all about prospects today. We're going deep on dynasty and prospects that will bring value in 2021 redraft leagues. So settle in, get your earbuds tuned in, and focus. Take it away, boys! Welcome in to the latest edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's episode 5-2, big 5-2. We're really excited. We got another great guest lined up today. No Chris today. Chris is busy boy uh, being a good husband and doting and dedicated husband that he is. So, Chris, we wish you the best out there. But you can check out some of his new rankings. He posted them on Twitter for shortstop. That is now available. So if you're interested in what he has to say, go to his Twitter page at CDeary1999. My guest today. Part of the Roto Fanatic family. That's right. This broadcast is part of the Roto Fanatic podcast network. Check out the new Data Monster. That's right. Data Monster with historical comparison facts and data now available. You can also compare and contrast prospect outcomes. And what better way to talk about that than with our very own 
Michael Richards, prospect guru from rotorfanatic.com. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a little while. Uh, love talking baseball and uh, prospects, so I uh, can't wait. Yeah, prospects are fun, right? Prospects are all the rage. You mention your name on Twitter and people go ape shit all of a sudden. They just start, prospect, prospect. It's bizarre. I guess uh, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone likes the shiny new toy. You know, there's always there's always a new one coming up. So uh, reason for optimism always. Isn't there though? Yeah, there really is. You know, Speaking of that style and the shiny new toy, we'll have a new uh, song that'll be debuting later in the show when we talk about prospects in our fantasy breakdown, having something to do with that. Today's show, we're going to talk about some of the hot stove moves, uh, some of the trades involving Joe Musgrove, Jamison Tyone off to the Yankees, a lot of Pittsburgh pirate trades and a lot of return collateral coming back their way. And that's where Michael fits into the picture. We'll break those down, see if there's any prospects worth talking about. And then we'll take a look at who are prospects that can make an impact in redraft leagues this season. Prospects who are more suited for a dynasty role long-term and for first-year player drafts coming up, that'll be a big deal as well. And we'll get Michael's insight on how he views prospects, how he analyzes them. We'll do some shine or ride the pine, some projections on prospects. Will they make a difference or an impact in 2021? And then we'll do your tweets and emails and there's plenty of tweets for michael michael you're very popular on twitter did you know that already i only joined in july so i didn't really know how to compare it to other people but i've been told a couple times that i've gained followers relatively quickly yeah hey just sprinkle some prospect dust out there and they'll come they'll come at you they're just maniacs they're fiends They, they can't get enough they just cannot help themselves it's very impressive i i think about prospects and i think about the turn into guy. That's the new guy. I'm, I was on a thread, a text thread with friends of mine in a home league. And there's this guy in our league, Jason, Jason, how you doing out there? Um, he is always trying to get the guy who's going to turn into that guy eventually. So turn into guy has become a term that they're throwing around in the thread. And it really made me laugh. And I thought it was perfect for prospects in our fantasy world, because we're all waiting for that next shiny new toy who will turn into that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And everyone knows the top prospects now because they've turned into that guy. You know, a lot of my success in dynasty leagues has been finding that next, next guy you know, a few months before everyone else wants him. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, like he's not there yet, but he, you have an advantage in information. I see the tools that I look for in prospects that other top prospects have. And, you know, they're not ranked highly right now. They're too young or they're unproven or there's some reason. Usually they're too young. People haven't seen them enough. But when I've seen it, this profile enough times, these similarities that top prospects have, I can try to narrow it down and say like, that guy reminds me of it, not even a certain player, but the situation. This situation reminds me of that guy that turned into a stud. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take a low risk gamble on this person late in a, in a draft and see what he looks like a year from now. Yeah, he's and, gonna turn into Ronald Acuna. Exactly. Ronald Acuna was not, he was not the number one pick in first year player drafts when, when, no, he wasn't. I mean, people, maybe, maybe after he blew up, but in really good leagues, 
he was getting drafted in the late rounds the year before that. Wow. Same with uh, like Juan Soto is one of my reasons I got into these international players in 2015. He was my last round pick of a prospect draft. And then three, three to six months later, he, he was, he's what everyone wanted basically. Holy so, shit. That's wild. Yeah. And I've used, he's kind of the blueprint I've used to get going on this sort of thinking and especially the last five years or so the amount of talent coming out of these international classes are pretty amazing. I mean, there's like 10 or 12 or 15 guys who jump onto the top hundred list a year after they're signed. You know, and it's like, those are the kind of guys I'm trying to aim for uh, when I'm, you know, shooting for the moon trying to, I'm trying to get superstars and this guys that are going to change the outcome of my team for years. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about how you do your process and how you look at prospects. Uh, don't forget that you can follow Michael at MP Richards, 1981 on Twitter. He's a great follow for dynasty and prospects. And uh, what are you working on for Roto fanatic? I mean, I do run the company or the website uh, and I don't even know uh, what are you doing right now? Well, the first thing I'm doing is I'm working on a top 300 dynasty list. Um, Ah, I did know that. Okay, I did know that. All right, just yeah, want to say, uh, get that on the record. It's been a little longer than I was hoping, just because, you know, I, I'm working in multiple places at once. But it's, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. You tell someone I, I'm making a list of 300 people, they're like, oh, that shouldn't take too long, you know. But it's like if you really dig into all these players and really try to pick apart the differences in all of them, and I mean, it, it can be very intensive. Uh, it's basically an ongoing thing that's never ending. There isn't anyone alive who can just tell you what it is. It's constantly adjusting, and you're just trying to get as close to the truth as you can. Isn't that life, though? That's what we're all trying to do. God, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Okay, well, look, I want to give some shout-outs. That's what we do on the show to people who are part of the community. That's right, shout-outs. Let's give one to Yancey Eaton. Yancey Eaton is like the most popular guy in fantasy baseball that I could think of. And he got me into an NFBC 50 league and I never get on those invites. They're always like too late. So thank you, Yancey. He got me really early when there was only three out of 12 slots filled. And I'm in that draft with him as we speak. And hopefully I'll draft some cool prospects. I'm very excited about that. I want to give a shout out to Tony from open bar fantasy baseball podcast. Tony, I owe you a show. I'm very sorry about what happened last Friday. Work sucks. What can I tell you? But you're still my guy. Never forget that. And uh, shout out to my Dynasty League. How about that, Michael? Yeah, my Dynasty League is bumping and busy. Dynasty Days of Summer, run by Gator Sosa on Twitter, also known as Jake. Uh, there's some heavy hitters in this league as well, and they love prospects. So they probably would listen to this show and be very excited about what's going on because we're doing – Keepers and trades right now, trying to line up who our 45 dynasty players will be before the first year player draft in early March. So shout out to those guys. I'm sorry if I haven't gotten to all your trade requests as quickly as I wanted to. I owe all of you a debt of gratitude. Anyways, those are our shout outs. Michael, what do you say we get into leading off? Sounds good. Let's do it. I 
usually in leading off, we go over hot stove news, break down transactions and moves and how they'll impact us in the fantasy realm. But I'm not really going to do that again because we've covered most of the territory, especially in our last episode with Carlos Morcano. In this episode, I want to look at the moves that have been happening and how they will impact the prospects involved, particularly with the Jamison Tyone trades and the Joe Musgrove trades, both involving the Pittsburgh Pirates who are just dumping, dumping, dumping talent overboard for the shiny new toys that will arrive on the shores of their opportunity down the road. So let's start with the Jamison Tyone deal. Michael, what is one big takeaway we can take from this deal that'll give Pittsburgh Pirates fans hope in four or five years? (laughs) Well, when I was on Twitter after the trade happened, I, I noticed a lot of people were being critical of the Pirates um, because these prospects aren't big names yet, um, and Jameson Tyon is. But from my perspective, they got quite a little haul of prospects here for a pitcher who's coming off a major injury. I didn't look at his contract status, but I'm guessing he probably doesn't have a lot of time left on it. Um, maybe he does, but uh, either way, they felt like they were getting a good haul of prospects to cut the risk. In order to get better prospects, Tyon would have had to come back, pitch very well, and have teams still believe that that's what it was going to be like going forward. This way they got maybe maybe a little bit less star power, but they the gamble's out of their hands now. Mm. By the way, the Yankees will have him for 2021 and 22. He'll be a unrestricted free agent in 2023. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Still. And, and that probably explains why they were able to get these prospects because it, it actually is when you, when you study prospects all the time, you know, so like uh, a couple of these guys are guys that I pegged a few months ago is like, I'm, I was wondering why they were ranked so low in the Yankees system. So I think the pirates did a good job getting and targeting the players that he did. It was similar to like a dynasty league type trade in that sense. Really? Yeah. Just because I think they got players, especially a couple of them that have the potential to be just worth a lot more than they currently are. So it's like, they're, they're, they're looking at these players as like, what can we turn them into and what can they become? I mean, do you want me to talk about any specific players? Is there one in particular that you think is like a steal here or are they all kind of just so young right now that it's really early? Um, two of them, I think are, are not really worth getting into at this point. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, Kanan Smith is a 21 year old outfielder. And I actually got a message yesterday from a Pittsburgh pirate scout. And he was telling me that they liked him more than Travis Swaggerty and Jared Oliva, and they can envision him becoming their leadoff hitter going forward. So if wow. in the organization that view him that high, I think that's worthy of knowing for someone who's generally viewed as outside the top 200 in prospects. And real quickly, Mikel Skoda is a second base shortstop guy. He's 18 years old, but he really did well in rookie ball in 2019 and there's a lot to like there too and he he could definitely become a big part of their future as well Damn! 
That is wild. That would be crazy if Kanan Smith ends up being the future leadoff hitter for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2023. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, look, James Atayon has had a ton of injury problems, and he's had a tough life. He's had cancer. I mean, he's overcome a lot of obstacles, and I respect the hell out of him. In terms of drafting him in fantasy real quick, from my perspective, I still would go slow on that. I Yankee Stadium, I don't like pitchers who pitch in Yankee Stadium anyways. I, I don't like pitching in the AL East. I do like pitchers who have resolve and have made mechanical adjustments and not just with the arm slots, but their physical adjustments with their lower half. And that is what appears to be the case for Mr. Tyon. And I read a tweet from a good friend, also a Rota fanatic writer, Mr. Davey Lou sports nut on Twitter, sports underscore nut N U T T five one. And he says he's, He's all in for Tyone. He says, give me all the shares. He's very excited about it because he likes what he's done with his lower half and change it. He says this, for those nervous about Jameson Tyone, this is someone who has reinvented himself. New mechanics, less pressure for velocity on his elbow with more focus in his hips and legs, new release point, more spin rate too. He's not the same player when we last saw him pitch. Hashtag love it. So if that's something that interests you, I think Jamison Tyone will probably uh, be a buy for you. You People who are looking for pitching anyways for the later value rounds and saying, hey, I'm going to wait on starters who I think can give me something, great. But he also hasn't pitched in a couple of years, so you cannot expect 100 innings maybe. I mean, this is a dynasty question too, right? Yeah, uh, I'm hesitant to take pitchers coming off of injury uh, in redraft leagues. I mean, unless it's really late, his innings are going to be way down. You don't know how good he's going to be. If he's everything Davey Lou is saying, then I'll be targeting him in 2022 and be willing to <laughs> up for him a little bit. I mean, it's yep. not like I wouldn't draft the guy, but uh, you can't even expect him. It's just not a safe choice to expect him to be a big part of your team. Yeah. Well, people were already drafting him quite high, in my opinion, before he was headed to New York. 239 ADP on average and a 189 minimum. Somebody reached up at 189 and said, I want all the Jamison Tyone I can get. And that's not what I'm interested in. So I would be very cautious on what he does. Let's see how spring training unfolds and what kind of market outline we get for his season based on how the Yankees Few of their starting pitchers. And also, the start, they have a bunch of starting pitchers to work with, too. There's a lot of young guys. They easily could be doing a six-man rotation. So stay tuned. Slow your roll on the tie-on noise. Um, very interesting stuff, though, Michael. Um, these prospects that come in return, I, I didn't know any of the names. I admit that freely. Like I said, I play Dynasty. I am in a Dynasty league, and I've played in keeper leagues for years. But <clears throat> I'm usually aware of guys who are like double-A or higher and on the brink. I mean, I know some AAA guys with the big-time names that come up that you get really excited about, but generally speaking, that's my that's really my focus. And I'm actually excited to hear you say positive things about Kanan Smith. But what about Musgrove? What about the Musgrove deal with the Pirates? Now, in this deal, I was aware of uh, Hudson Head, right? Hudson Head? Yep. 
He's a pretty cool dude. What's the take on Hudson Head? Is he a player that could make an impact in the next year, or is it a couple years away? Uh, Head's a couple years away. He's only 19 years old, I believe. Um, but he's got a lot of tools that I look for in for prospects. Um, he, he can run. He can hit. The, he plays good defense. I mean, I think he's like one of those guys that could become like a five-tool type player. I heard recently someone describe him as like a Brandon Marsh type of player. Oh, he's probably going to turn into a top 50 prospect, you know, by the time he gets into double a and, and definitely be a, a, a guy who might be hitting near the top of the order in his prime. Um, and he's someone I definitely am pretty high on. He's, he's right around a top hundred prospect for me. And he's only behind uh, the very best prospects in the pirates organization right now for me. When you say Brandon Marsh comparison, does that also mean he'd be a two-way player or just as a hitter? Just as an overall hitter okay. type, of, type of player, just a well-rounded, solid player that helps in everything. Doesn't necessarily stand out in one area, but just really solid. Gotcha. Any other players we should know about from the Joe Musgrove deal? He went to San Diego. Now there's a bunch of pirates that come over to Pittsburgh to start Padres. I mixed up Padres and Pirates. Listen to me. What's wrong with me? Padres and Pirates. Padres and Pirates. Pirates and Padres. Are there Padres? Some names. I forget that deal. Yeah. But you know, I didn't think that there was much of a deal to be had there. Joey Lucchese was mixed in and people were saying, oh, Joey Lucchese's mixed in this. This could be very exciting because the Mets got involved on that aspect. But as far as the return, beats the hell out of me. I'm not the expert on these things, but I do get excited when someone gets moved and then new players come like Omar Cruz, David Bednar, Drake Fellows, or any of these guys that are players who will go to Pittsburgh and be useful in the next two to three years. It's tough for me to say on some of them, you know, you might have like a bullpen arm in there or someone that comes up and helps the team. But as far as fantasy value goes in dynasty league value, I have my doubts on on those players. I think they're a little outside of the range that I'd be looking at. What about Andy Rodriguez, who went from the Mets to the Pirates? Yeah, I've heard a little. I've heard some good things about him. Um, apparently, he can play some catcher and outfield, so he's athletic. There's some people that like his ability to hit, and uh, he's not someone I've gotten super excited about yet, but. He's definitely on my radar and, and wasn't, he was definitely a notable player that might turn into something down the road. Oh, you're listening to the hands Rico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast. We're talking with Michael Richards of rotofanatic.com. It's all about prospects today. This is a dynasty focused show for the most part. If you don't like prospects then turn it off, but odds are you love prospects. Why would you want to turn off a show about prospects? You gotta be crazy. I'm telling you. Are there any prospects that will gain or be hurt by any of the moves we've had in Major League Baseball over the last few days? Like Adam Ottavino, he's a reliever, gets traded from the Yankees to the Sox, or Garrett Richards signing a deal as a starting pitcher with the Red Sox. Does that hurt anybody in in this situation? Uh, not that pops to mind. No, the, I mean the Red Sox were already struggling in the rotation, so I see that as a stopgap until some of their pitching prospects are ready to come up. And even then they don't have any amazing pitching prospects 
waiting in the wings. They have a couple solid guys, but these aren't necessarily top of the rotation players. But I think the Red Sox have a long way to go on the pitching side of things. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yes, they definitely have issues on the pitching side. Uh, starting pitching in particular. What about Tanner Houck, though? Was that a guy that you had targeted? I mean, he started to make some noise last year and people were excited. He is generally the type of guy that I would not be going after in fantasy leagues. Um, maybe as a streamer or, you know, spot starts here and there. But his upside, I think he outperformed the stats he put up in last year. Everyone talks about small sample sizes, but he he definitely didn't put up that good of numbers in the minor leagues. And I'm expecting him to settle in as a number four or five starter long term, or potentially a, a high high leverage like late inning reliever if if for some reason they think that's better. <sighs> I've heard some people I respect that were buying in on Hauk as a good value. Now this is as a value play in deeper drafts too. So maybe that's not the same comparison. Yeah. However, as a late round uh, stab in a redraft league, you know, he's probably a solid option compared to some of the players going around him. I mean, I'm not saying I would take him necessarily. I'd have to look at a list, but I understand the, the thought behind seeing if he can turn into a good uh, number five or six starter on your team this year. Gotcha. What about Darwinson Hernandez? I love me some Darwinson Hernandez and I love his potential. He's not there yet. I mean, he's still developing. Were you always excited about his profile and was it somebody you targeted way before anybody knew his name? No, honestly, he's, he's another guy that I never was as high on as some other people. Um, not saying he's a bad player, but no. I just end up I end up finding myself looking at certain types of players in for fantasy and spe- specifically, uh, which is my main focus and how I got into all this stuff. I'm just not a big pitching prospect guy in general. So unless you're top of the line and I could see you turning into something incredible. I think I can find a better use of my spot on my team for someone who could become more valuable than a number three starter or something. That's interesting. We're going to talk more about that later in your prospect insight process. I'm going to, I want to dive deeper into that. Otherwise though. Yeah. Kiki Hernandez. I mean, that doesn't delay the arrival of Jeter downs or anything like that. Right. Well, I wouldn't think so just because the Red Sox don't have enough talent to, compete in the AL East, in my opinion. So I'm not even sure what, the, what that signing is about. Other than maybe <laughs> trying to flip What them. the hell's going on there? I don't know. Maybe they think they're going to compete and I don't see it or, or they're, like I said, maybe they're just seeing it as he can have value for half a season and they can flip him for a, a good prospect or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of, yeah. Downs, I mean, he, Kiki Hernandez does play multiple positions so theoretically, he could be a placeholder for Jeter Downs at second base for six or eight weeks, you know. But but when Jeter Downs is ready and the Red Sox are 15 games under 500, I think he's an everyday player for them. Okay. That also reminds me of another question I'm going to ask you later on in the show. That's called a teaser, folks. That's right. We're, we're teasing it a little bit. 
the George Springer shining in Toronto. Now Toronto's got a bunch of fun dynasty prospect players that people like to salivate over. Does that signing hurt anybody? I mean, everyone talks about Alejandro Kirk was going to DH more and now he gets screwed in this situation. Do you see that in that similar vein or no? Well, it's hard to say exactly because they've, they have a really good lineup and they have guys who can play different positions and they have prospects coming up. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to say. I think, I think the best way to go about this is probably going to be, I mean, I've heard other people say this, but they're probably going to use guys, someone like Bo Bichette in a super utility role. They're going to keep the best bats in the lineup as often as possible. They're going to play the hot players. George Springer is a, cornerstone player on their team he's going to be in their lineup every day it's going to be the players at the back end of their lineup like maybe a Kirk or a Grychek or something like that you know players like that are just going to lose 100 at bats basically and it's it doesn't make a huge difference for fantasy in my opinion but the Blue Jays lineup is pretty incredible and I think there's a lot of players who can put up good numbers including Springer yeah, imagine if they signed Michael Brantley, what it would have been like. Woo-hoo-hoo! No, they don't need Michael Brantley. They got plenty of talent as it is and more on the way. All right, that's it for the leading off segment. I wanted to talk about some of the moves that are going on. You know, have a have a few pieces of tidbits and information from Michael Richards, who's joining us. Don't forget to go follow Michael on Twitter. Yeah, come on, at MP Richards 1981. Now, Let's have some fun. Let's go to the fun part of the show. Not that the show is not always fun, but Michael, it's time for Enrico's Inquisition. Do you think you're ready for this? I think I am. Let's do it. Famous last words. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, Van Halen, not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, oh Nelly, get ready for some doozies, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> All right, it's real simple, Michael. We just give you some scenarios and or this or that's, and you say, yeah, I'm with that or I'm with the other thing. Usually an option of two. It's quite binary if I do say so myself. What do you say? Ready? Yep, ready to do it. Okay, let's dive into it. The first one is The Simpsons or South Park? South Park. Really? South Park. All right, that's cool. I respect that. Simpsons have been around, I think, I mean, Christ, 30 years now, 30 plus years. South Park's been around over 20 plus years. These are two of the most long running cartoons or shows in the history of television. But I like South Park because they have balls. They have a lot of like, they're willing to stand out there and just make fun of anyone. And I respect that. Yeah, and I think The Simpsons used to be better than it is now. Oh, wow. That's a hot take, Michael. Hot take button. I don't have a hot take button. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) All right. uh, Superman or Batman? I'm going to go with 
Superman. Yeah, remember, you can put any connotation on this you want. However I ask it, you can put it in any situation you prefer. Uh, Lou Whitaker or Alan Trammell? Mm, good question. I'm going to go with Lou Whitaker. I think he's underrated. So you are a Tigers fan, is that correct? Yeah, especially when I was younger. Right. Michael and me are from this. We were born in the same city, in probably the same hospital, Southfield, yeah. Michigan. That's a true story. Exactly. I asked my mom about that after we talked, and she said there's only one hospital there when I was born. So very likely we knew each other way, way back in the day. How old are you? I'm 39 now. Oh, shit. I'm 40. So, yeah. Yeah, we're right there, man. Right in the same ballpark. Yes, Providence Hospital was the only one around back then. That's where all the babies were born. Even our my partner here on the show, Chris Deary, he was also born in Providence. And we were born on the same day wow. <laughs> of the same year. That's pretty incredible. It is wild. And then we met each other in life. It's amazing how these things happen. Life is crazy. So are you allowed to be a fan because you're like this prospects analysis, you know, analyst? Or are you happy to show your fandom and share it with people you mean a, a fan of just one specific team yeah uh i i try not to let that sort of thing influence my analysis of players you know i'm trying to do this for myself but also it's really just to talk to everyone else and teach other people that want to learn more about it so i try to keep that sort of stuff out of play i found myself becoming more of a fan of players over teams because I just, yeah, I respect the players. I don't always respect the organizations. Isn't that interesting? I think it's really where fandom is going. It used to be all about teams. And we all, back in the 80s and 70s and 90s, people rooted for teams. But now people root for players. They really do. And they will follow those players, especially with the free agent movement we have in all of the major sports. We will root for that player and follow that player to that team. I really believe you have hit on something, a real nerve here in the sports lexicon. We don't root for teams anymore. We root for players. Absolutely. There are some people who still root for teams. You know, they're hardcore about their hometown or something. But majority of people I've talked to over the last few years is, you know, like I'm a big Mike Trout fan. He's a division rival, my hometown team. You know, and I like him more than any player on the Mariners. So wow. It's not about... It's just about, I just respect greatness. I respect people who play the game hard and just just amazing talent. And it doesn't matter what uh, what the name says on the front to me or the back, really. Well, you're in like prospect heaven over there in Seattle area then. Absolutely. Uh, before everything kind of went off rails in March of 2020, my, my thought was jump into this baseball stuff by following around those huge Mariner prospects, getting a bunch of video of them. And that was going to be kind of my entrance into the social media world. Just be kind of become a, my own scout or whatever and say, like, yeah. Here, here's videos that everyone, because I've seen it, how it works on Twitter now. I've been for a while. People love those new videos, even if they're 10 seconds long. Here's Julio Rodriguez taking a swing, you know, <laughs> 150 likes. Yep. <laughs> It's very true. You're right. That dynasty prospect clips, doesn't matter what it is, what they're doing. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. You're right about that. 
Uh, let's get back to the focus here. How about this? Uh, McDonald's or Taco Bell? Taco Bell. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's, probably, a, that's probably an uncommon answer of those two, I would guess. Well, those you know. Mentioned McDonald's. Taco Bell didn't have good things to say over, over the years. Now, people, in last week, you obviously missed last Friday's show when Janice Gurio said. Oh, I, I actually did hear. I, I, I listened to that. Oh, okay, yeah. So then you heard her talk about the Crunchwrap Supreme and her absolute love for that item. Yeah, I don't eat Taco Bell anymore, but it, it was between those two. I'm definitely going with Taco Bell. I, I have an issue with McDonald's. Yeah. What did, did they hurt you? Yeah, their food kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't eat Taco Bell or McDonald's anymore either, but I had enough for a lifetime, so I'm... I can still be someone who weighs in on these things. Yeah, exactly. I, I used to like talk about more, for sure. Scott Boris or Rob Manfred? Mm. I'm not a fan of either, honestly. <laughs> do I have to pick one? Or well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's your life. So no one's forced to do anything. I'll go with Scott Boris. He's trying to get he's trying to get good players a lot of money. Yeah, I think any answer opposite Rob Manfred is the correct answer. There you go. It's that simple. <laughs> uh, East Coast or West Coast? Hmm. That has changed at different times in my life. I guess at this very moment, I'll say East Coast. Really? I East Coast. Yeah. Have you lived on the East Coast? I haven't. I guess I haven't lived on the East Coast, but I just I know what's going on on the West Coast, so I I'm willing to take my chances that it's better over there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, who am I to say? Um, let's see here. God, I got so many of these. <laughs> uh, dodgeball or volleyball? Dodgeball, definitely. I used to like playing that in school. They're both great games. I really enjoy both. I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I really just think you're splitting hairs there. Uh, stocks or crypto? That's like the the other question. I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go with crypto just because it's less corrupted uh. around a lot less time. So less opportunity for people to rig it that's a great point i like the way you think uh 20s or 30s for the ages yeah um man i'll go with 20s it was more fun i, I didn't know as much stuff um yeah I, I just you didn't you didn't care as much you're just living each day as it comes what can i do that's fun today more innocent time it sure was oh man miss those days oh yeah being 40 is cool though i like being 40 i really do i have no problem with it i have wisdom and the experience of everything i've done and i can apply it going forward which is not a bad thing at all not a bad thing at all a couple more here carpet or hardwood floors i'm gonna go with hardwood floors. Uh, the reason being, 
easier to clean. Less vacuuming, yes. Yeah, well, and I personally don't believe that vacuuming actually cleans as well as people think it is. <laughs> it doesn't. You're so right about that. Vacuuming is just like sucking up stuff, but there's so much stuff in there that doesn't get sucked up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it festers in there. It's gross. It really is. Carpet is awful. I don't know who came up with it, but damn you, whoever came up with this carpet thing and put, started putting it in homes. Do you, would you prefer an apartment or a home, a house? I'd prefer a house. Huh. Mac or PC? I've never owned a Mac. Never? No, I've never owned a Mac, but... I will say Mac because I've owned a PC. <laughs> That's good. Pretty good. I must say, I'm impressed. <laughs> um, finally, for love or money? No, definitely love. And money can be found in many different ways, in many different places. It's harder for some people than others, but uh, love is very rare basically there are people who go their entire lives without being even a glimpse of it really so and it's just more meaningful you can do a lot of stuff with money but i don't know i mean i've i've never had a lot of money so it's hard for me to say i've seen people who do have a lot of money and i'd rather be in love with someone than be rich i feel like that is a certain type of rich very poetic it's very beautiful thank you so much wow that was probably the most genuine answer we've ever had to that question and i mean that 52 episodes in you just took the cake and i'm not bullshitting you well done michael well done thanks we got a guy here who knows prospects he knows dynasty and he knows what it's like to be human what else could you ask for in an analyst you're listening to the hey it's rico palazzo fantasy baseball podcast part of the rotofanatic podcast network we're talking with rotofanatic.com's very own michael richards breaking down prospects talking dynasty redraft prospects from every angle prospects 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 it's time to get to the fantasy breakdown part of the show michael and we're going to talk about prospects and first we're going to break down prospects who will be viable in redraft leagues this year. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Well, in honor of our prospect segment, we have a new song. So I figured uh, we'd fire it up. said that prospects people go crazy over prospects they can't get enough prospects 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 who is going to make an impact 
this year as a prospect in redraft leagues focus first, then we'll talk dynasty leagues. But is there one player above all others that you really feel a sense of confidence about? Or is there none? No, there is one above the rest. Um, The first thing I think about when it's, when it comes to redraft leagues is I'm looking for players who are going to play. Um, so I would narrow it down to players who are probably going to start in the major leagues. And then I start looking at all those players and start figuring out what their roles are going to be. The player who stands out to me for 2021 is Dylan Carlson for the Cardinals. Uh, he struggled a little bit last year, but he was also still young and he has a lot of things I look for in prospects. Uh, he, he started to adjust the second time he came up last year. And I'm not sure where he's going in drafts, but he's definitely someone I could see putting up good stats in multiple categories this year and end up being drafted higher next year than he is right now. And no concerns about anybody taking playing time anymore because, you know, last year and the last couple of years, the, Outfield was crowded in St. Louis, but it looks like they've lightened the load and cleared out some space. And Tyler O'Neill, if there's going to be a DH, which, by the way, there's been DH talk, and the players rejected a recent proposal to add a DH because there would have to also be expanded playoffs, which would give more money to the players, but the players are being steadfast right now. So there is no DH universally at this time, but Tyler O'Neill would be an ideal DH. But if it goes the other way, Dylan Carlson will still play over Tyler O'Neill. How do you feel about that? I I feel that Dylan Carlson's going to play over Tyler O'Neill. I just think he has he's a better defender for one. So real baseball, they're just they're going to want that out there. He has higher upside. He's a bigger part of their long term plans. I think. Um, I, I think the Cardinals had a chance to give Tyler O'Neill starting job last year and let him run with it and. For whatever reason, they're not they're not doing it, and um, I can't really say why. But I definitely have more faith in them going with Dylan Carlson. And if he really, really struggles, that would be the only way I see him losing that spot. Do you really think Dylan Carlson could get full seasons of at bats this year? I I don't see why not. I really don't. Um, okay. He's there at the end of last year. I mean, unless unless there's some sort of contract thing they're going to manipulate where they hold him back down, I'm not sure if he's but like that. Would be the only thing I see is him coming up in late April and playing every day because he's a switch hitter too. So it doesn't matter what what arm the pitcher's throwing with. Boy, that probably makes people very, very excited. Dylan Carlson fever taking over the show right now. I like to hear that. I mean, I respect your opinion. So that's going to give me, that's going to give me a little juice going forward in more redraft leagues as I continue to do some. I've already done a few uh, that I regret doing already, but hey, I never drafted this early. It was a learning experience. I'll apply it going forward. I'm already applying it right now in other leagues that I started drafting in this week. So good tip. Good tip. I like to hear that. I'm also going to share with you some guys I have on my dynasty team. Yes, I'm taking advantage of having you here right now. I might as well. And I want to get your opinions on how this is playing out. Because this is 45 guys you keep on a team. I'm not going to go through all 45 guys, but I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of them. Uh, Tarek Skubal. 
viable this year or slow? Are you saying for 2021 or long term? Yeah, this this year or long term. You you can say either um, or. I think he's definitely going to be better this year than he was last year. I'm probably a little lower on him long term than the people who really like him a lot. I think he's a clear number three behind Manning and Mize, but still a solid number three starter. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I see him being with in the Detroit rotation, you know, for the next handful of years at least. Okay. I got a glut of catchers. I got Alejandro Kirk, Joey Bart, Alex Jackson, Jake Rogers, Adley Rushman. I mean, I got a shitload of catchers. Is yeah, there... uh, Adley Rushman's the guy to have there. Uh, Bart would be a, a distant number two for me. Distant number two? Yeah, I mean... Even though they were both very high picks. I mean, in yeah, the real major league draft. Yeah, it's the hit tool. I mean, I'm, I've talked about Bart before, but I'm not as high on him as some other people. He's just automatically put up there as the number two prospect at catcher. And when I looked at it just on my own without having any incentive of picking anyone, I just didn't see all the things that automatically sticks him up there. He's close to the majors and he can hit home runs, but there's powerful catchers out there, you know, that hit 20 home runs or whatever. I see him being a, a typical kind of 240, 250, 260 average type guy with and they also drafted a catcher in the first round recently in their draft. I'm not even sure they, they view him as a catcher long-term, which actually may help him. But as far as catchers go, Rushman's like JT Real Muto. He's, wow. he's clear two tiers ahead of everyone else at the position. But we won't see him for a bit still. I do think we'll see him in 2021 at some point. You do? Yeah, I mean, he's probably what 22 now yeah i mean he played in college at oregon state right yeah and you know we haven't seen a lot of these players you know people talk about oh they lost a year of development time which is something i want to talk about but we're going to yeah we're going to trust me we're covering that shortly okay sounds good but yeah okay wow that's interesting look at me getting some inside info here on my dynasty team i also have brandon marshall you mentioned earlier that's cool right that's good news uh but my the my question is, in Dynasty Leagues, do you just hoard talent that will be good eventually? Because you can try to win every year in a Dynasty League. You don't have to wait, necessarily. But people get so obsessed with prospects, they want to hoard all this future talent that will eventually be the turn-into guys. And that doesn't always happen. Meanwhile, other people are winning your league every year. Yeah, I've seen people take different approaches with this. Um, you just have to know where your team is at relative to the rest of the league you can't be rebuilding and also one thing i learned over the years is look at what the top teams are doing look at what they did to get those players look at what type of players they have to see what level of talent it's going to take to become the top team someday and um yeah i just i just learn as much as i can from other people that have done it well and then the key thing that i've seen throw people off is, and I, I used to be one of them, love all these prospects, love all these new toys, want to collect all of them. They're not going to win you championships. Them specifically are not going to win you championships. I've never seen someone put together a 25-man prospect team that 
comes up, all, they're all on the team together, and that's the title winner of the Fantasy League. A lot of these prospects are to be used as trade pieces, and it's the best, the best managers I've seen know where their team is at, know what they need to do to get so they can flip it to the other side. It's the transition. Collect all these great guys, then strategically trade them for major leaguers, basically. I am, I don't know how my team did so bad last year. Also, we started a dynasty league in the year of the pandemic in the short season. So whoever won the league, you know, they might not necessarily won the league if it was a full season. That's something I think you have to factor in. And mm-hmm. I, I will be factoring that in. But uh, yeah, it's it's a curious thing you say. I mean, I look at, I look at the talent and I look uh, where you're at and then say, hey, am I in the middle of the pack here? Am I on the brink of something? Is it worth trading an Adley Rushman? to maybe go for it. These are the decisions uh, you sign up for as a dynasty league manager. And uh, I'm not going to bore everybody with the details on this team any longer, but I was just kind of curious on some aspects of it. Let's get back to redraft impact. Is there anybody else besides Dylan Carlson that you see having a 2021 impact for redraft leagues? Well, does it get tough after that? Is it really a big fall off or not? <laughs> like Jared Kalenic, Jared Kalenic is a guy that everybody seems to be drafting in redraft leagues with the expectation that he'll be up at some point making an impact this year. Yes, I, I do think there are a handful of prospects who are going to be up this year. And like we've seen throughout history, some of them are going to do great. Some of them are going to do horrible. And um Jared Kalenic's definitely one of those guys. I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure. The only, last thing I heard is the Mariners said they're going to take their time with these guys. They're not winning anything next year. So they're going to bring up Kalenic when they think he's completely ready to play every single day. And I definitely want him on my team when that happens. But if it doesn't happen until June. Why draft him? Then you could just pick him yeah, up on the waiver. I'd, I'd rather have someone else take him in the middle rounds. And yeah, and just take someone who's playing. That's also good because there's players that are good that are being taken around him, I'm sure. Exactly. Guys that can give you stats from day one as opposed to two months into the season. Mackenzie exactly. Gore of you know, the Padres gets a lot of – there's a lot of talk about him, and the fact that he didn't come up last year freaks people out. Are you someone who's pro-Gore, anti-Gore, long-term or short-term at all? What's your stance on Mr. Gore? Well, until prospects have a spot – on their team in the major leagues and they're not going to be pulled out of that. I'm always a little skeptical, but uh, so I guess in the short term, I don't know what the Padres are going to do. I know that I would, I believe he's one of the five best pitchers in their organization right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they they're doing things like manipulating contracts and other things that have nothing to do with fantasy. Long-term I view him as the best pitching prospect in baseball. He has five pitches, control, uh, lefty. I mean, I've tried to think of a comparison. I mean, if it works a lot, if it works out, he's like a Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that's the level he could get to. You know, we're talking like game changer. He, he just stands out to me. Like, I like him quite a bit more than Sixto Sanchez and Ian Anderson and type, types like that long term. Even though they've already been called up and had some major league. Yeah, because those players don't have the same stuff. They they don't have the same pitches. They don't have the same stats in the minors. 
know, Gore put up better numbers than these guys. You know, I think people are making a mistake in redraft leagues, drafting players like Sixto and Ian Anderson early based on 30 innings in the majors last year. There's sophomore slumps. There's pitchers have had or hitters have had an entire off season to look at film of these guys, mm-hmm. figure out what they're doing. You know, I, I just, I'm more, I'll take these guys at the right spot, but when they're being taken near the top hundred or something, again, I haven't looked at all the details of the average draft position, but I can assure you, I could start naming off five or six guys right around them. I'd rather have this season, this season. What about Casey Mize's 2021 impact? Mize is another guy I'm higher on long-term. Um, I, I don't think he showed what he really is this last year. Uh, he has a lot of good pitches and control, and there's a reason he went number one overall. I think people's expectations on him were probably too fast, too soon, just because of being number one. Mm-hmm. But he's he's there. Like I mean, he's really good. He's a, he's a top 10 pitching prospect. In my opinion, it's either him or Manning that is going to be their ace. And if they both work out, they'll have dual aces. What if we're talking keeper league? So not redraft, but not dynasty league either, like a 10 or eight player keeper league. Is Casey Mize, that's too high, right? That You can't keep him in that kind of keeper league, right? Yeah, I guess it depends on how many teams are in the league. I'd say, okay, 14 teams, uh, eight keepers, that's 112 players. So the top 112. I mean, Mize is definitely not ADP-wise top 112 at all. No, but ADP is not as relevant in leagues like that because you're trying to, there's some teams who are projecting five years worth of keeper. Like they're not looking at like, oh, this guy's going to be great. There are plenty of people who will keep Casey Mize in a league like that. And I'm not even saying they're wrong to do so. It's just not going to necessarily help them win the league this year. Like I would definitely keep a Dylan Carlson in that type of league because I know I'm going to expect a 2021 impact. That makes sense to me, but I think somebody more uncertain, like a Mize or even a Gore this year, I, I just don't, I think when you have guys that can give you stats, and I know this is not as much a dynasty impact, but you want to get the boring guys, the people who are not the shiny toys. That's well, some, where you, I would consider Casey Mize that actually, because, because he struggled last year, people are, they're not really high on him. Even in redraft leagues, I, I'm assuming he's not going super high. No. So he's someone that the shine is worn off. He's, I, I w- there's a term for it. I'm trying to remember, but um, like a post post type sleeper. That's right. Post type sleepers. And but I he's not even there yet. He's still hype. There's still enough hype on him. It hasn't worn off because it was a short season. Yeah, if he would, let me put it this way. If he would have done what Ian Anderson did in 30 innings last year, he'd be getting drafted up there with those guys right now. Yeah. No, you're right. He would. He was given the opportunity to do so. But I think Ian Anderson had a little more seasoning than Mize has had too. But yeah, I, I, I personally like them both around the same. I like. I think they're both good players. But Mackenzie Gore is the man for me at pitcher. Okay. Uh, anybody else who makes a 2021 impact this year that you can think of? Uh, 20 uh, 2021 impact. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, just anyone who could possibly be up. Uh, Jeter Downs is a guy that I've talked about before when he's up I think he's going to be helpful I think he could help people in redraft leagues this year Alex Kirloff was up in the playoffs last year I think if he's playing he's going to be good they haven't re-signed Nelson Cruz yet that's interesting 
Yeah, um, and some other guys. Just the players that are generally up. You know, Cabrian Hayes for Pittsburgh. He's their third everyday third baseman. Oh, he's being drafted as he's not. It's not even a question. <laughs> the way the, his ADP is ridiculous. It's in the top one hundred and fifty. So. Oh, interesting. Okay, um, so, but yeah, he's someone that I I like for twenty twenty one because he's going to see a bunch of at bats and he's got upside. Well, that makes sense then. Okay. Interesting. We're talking with Michael Richards of rotofanag.com. He's a prospect expert, prospect master, the guru, the whiz, the king of kings when it comes to prospects. All the superlatives go towards you, and you can follow him on Twitter because you want to know about prospects. That's what you should be doing. And if you're not doing so, then you're missing out on opportunities that were coming your way at MP Richards 1981. All right, let's go to dynasty mode here. Let's talk longer term, a little bit deeper. Who, I'm not going to say who. I want to talk about Spencer Torkelson, who also is being drafted for redraft leagues. I've seen him drafted a lot. It's late. It's very, very late. But people are taking flyers on the fact that Torkelson will come up in 2021, which, is that silly? That's got to be silly, right? Well, in the past, that's the type of player I would I would take a late round flyer on. And at that point in the draft, I don't think there's a lot of harm in doing that. If he does come up early, it could end up being a great pick. But I've also been burned by doing that so many times, especially in uh, competitive leagues. You know, you need those bench spots. It's just hard to stash prospects even for six weeks. You know, I've, I've tried it so many times because I love prospects. I'm like, I'm just going to wait instead of, having some replacement level player on my team, I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to stash this number one prospect. And Mm -hmm. it's just very rarely led to me, led to been part of my path to victory besides besides trading them. Exactly. But you actually, you think he could get called up in 21? I do because he's, he's one of the most special college hitters Maybe ever. I've, I've actually read some things that there's, there are scouts that have said Spencer Torkelson's best amateur player they've ever scouted in their life. Jesus Christ. He's been compared to guys like Miguel Cabrera and Mark Teixeira. Like, I think we're talking about a very, very special hitter. Low strikeouts, high power, high average, high OBP, 100 runs, 120 RBIs, like just a just like a monster four category player for years. If, if I'm going to pick one guy at first base for the next decade, he's the one. Damn. Okay. Well, over, hey. Over the major leaguers. You just sold me, man. I'm a, I mean, I'm a Tigers fan and I'm very excited about his future, but I still thought, you know, let's talk, let's talk about it real quick. The fact that there was no minor league season in 2020, I thought that would hurt players like him and players who need at bats. So am I wrong to think that, or is it a case-by-case basis? I think personally, it's a case-by-case basis. Different players are at different stages of their development. Um, for someone like him, it probably did because he, was, he wasn't playing in the major leagues, so he was playing at the alternate site against guys who aren't as advanced as him uh, in that sense. So someone like a, an 18- or 19-year-old high upside guy, that he was taken – daily live batting practice off of top pitching prospects that are two or three levels above them, the experience that they gained, I don't even think we can tell what's going to happen there. I think there's some young players 
that weren't really on anyone's radar that are just going to emerge this year like like where did this guy come from and it's because time has passed like these guys have gotten older they're doing work behind the scenes just because we're not seeing video of them playing they're still they're still getting better they're still getting stronger a lot of them especially the ones that are just developing but isn't yeah, there a premium on minor leagues like the organizational structure and the routine of the habits that you get every day from playing every day and even the stuff that you don't do practice and uh riding around with teammates and the camaraderie and the routine of being a major league professional player exactly and all these things are going to be helpful especially the young guys they're they're getting invaluable experiences by the time they're actually in the major leagues. They've already been through all this stuff. They're not going to have to go through that learning curve. They've been around these guys. You know, it's just, I just think it's, yeah, I, I think it's going to really hurt some guys and really help others. And I'm not sure how to tell exactly other than young and old. Okay. Younger That's... and older prospects. <laughs> I'm dying to see how it plays out because we are in uncharted waters right now with the short season and no minor leagues. And now we're trying to move forward and analyze it all. It's an interesting time to get in the game. Like you and I have, you know, we both got in the game over the last year or so. So mm -hmm. that will be tricky for us. We might learn some hard lessons or we might, you know, be ahead of the game because we were able to come into the under the same premise and not have years of, kind of routine expectations and analysis of a full season that clogged our brains. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it'll play out, but I, I cannot wait to see what happens. I, I'm actually more excited for this 2021 season than I've been for a season in a very, very long time. Very long time. I agree. Me too. So let's talk about some of your prospects for dynasty that are that your top, like you got, do you have a top five that, we talk dynasty because this could be long-term because we're talking dynasty, man. You can keep 45 players and first year player drafts are coming up for a lot of dynasty leagues. Maybe they've already happened. Let's talk the best of the best, no matter how long it's going to take them to get to the majors. Okay. Well, I, I do have a top five. Uh, it's stayed the same for a while now, which is kind of rare because I'm always tweaking, moving players up or down a couple spots. Um, at number one, I've Wander Franco. Uh, number two, I have Julio Rodriguez. Number three, I have Marco Luciano. Four, I have Jared Kalenic. And five, I have Spencer Torkelson. And I, hmm. I view all of them as future all-stars, basically. And studs. Studs, game changers in Dynasty. Uh, you know, the kind of guys that's going to be, this is your best player, and then everyone else is trying to live up to them. And two of them, Rodriguez and Kalenic, happen to be in the same organization. Absolutely. The Mariners have some the best, some of the best talent coming up they've had since the days of Ken Griffey Jr. and Edgar Martinez and guys like that. No Seattle bias here? No, no. This is, I mean, I've just paid attention to the team over the years. They haven't, I mean, when's the last time you remember two Mariner prospects that were in the top 10? Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, probably it's been a while. Been, Probably been 1988, Ken Griffey Jr. and Edgar <laughs> Martinez. Yeah, well, there was uh, A-Rod and somebody else. There's probably a pitcher. I think Ryan Anderson, or he was a big deal, but he didn't pan out, whatever. That, that was in the 90s. Anyways, you're right. Those are all players that I would crave. Um, and C.J. Abrams, I want to throw him in there because he's number six. In some days, I want him in that top five. 
But what's uh, the path for playing time for him? You know, they're making all these signings and they're loading up on major league talent and trying to go for World Series title now. Do you think he still ends up being trade bait? It's possible. I mean, I don't think that they would want to trade him. To me, he's another just amazing player that should be part of big part of their plans going forward. But I guess if it put him over the top to win a title, they might do it. But I expect them to move him to center field uh, when he's ready because Tatis is locked in at shortstop. And yeah, I just I just think he's going to be probably their leadoff hitter and be a great fantasy player. So if you were starting a new dynasty league this year, right now, you know, fresh, mm-hmm. you would take Wander Franco as the highest, like non major league baseball player at this moment. Yes. Based on your rankings, you would. And so you're saying he's the real deal and he's everything. He can provide you all five tools, right? There's nothing he can't do. Yes. I expect him, you know, after an adjustment period, probably he's going to be a five category player. Uh, I would compare him to maybe like a Jose Ramirez type of player. You know, he's going to be a first round pick in the future type of player. Okay. And no concerns about too many ground balls or anything like that. He's just working out the kinks. He's still a youngster learning the game. Yep. I think that even just shows there's even more upside than people realize the fact that there's still, he's still as highly touted as he is with, things he needs to fix and work on. He's, he's really, a, he's an amazing player. I mean, people get, once someone gets hyped up as long as he has, you know, they, people start to be like, oh, he's not really the number one guy, but he really is. I mean, these other guys are really great too, but you don't find a lot of shortstops that have his tools and his upside that have excelled against older competition at such a young age, it's rare. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to be an absolute monster. No doubt about it. I mean, everything is lining up. The stars are aligned for this kid. We didn't ask this question yet. 2021, or is it too soon for him? Again, I think a lot. there's a lot of these top prospects are going to appear in the majors this year. I don't think Wander Franco is going to have a major role at any point until maybe late or something. But I do think he'll appear in the major leagues. I wouldn't be drafting him in redraft leagues, though. Well, the Rays brought up Brendan McKay a couple years ago, and he made a nice little... He was a nice player for them in September before he got hurt. That was in 2019. Um, So they they are willing to do that. But he was also a college player, a little more advanced. Maybe that's not a fair comparison. Yeah, and pitching is a little different, too. But I could definitely see him coming up when they expand rosters and use him as a, a... Bench bat. I mean, these guys are all really young. I mean, Wander's 19 still. Ridiculous. He's still, yeah, people, I don't know if people know that. I mean, if you know uh, prospects, dynasty people, you probably know that. But people on the fringe and redraft, maybe we forget. Maybe you don't realize this kid is young still. No, I, I, I don't care how good you are, honestly. I'm not drafting a 19 year old in a redraft league. Like, if, if he becomes a, a great player this year, congratulations. I mean, I missed out on him, but. I think it's a better move to avoid him. Man, it's very tantalizing. And people wait on him in a lot of redraft leagues. I've, like I said, doing my drafts, they're waiting and waiting. He's going in the 300s at times, sometimes earlier in the late 200s. It just depends on the person who wants to be the one who took a chance on Wander Franco. Hey, I'm the guy in your league. I did it. And 
I don't really want to be that guy because I feel like there's many, many more players that'll give you reliable stats. And that's more of a redraft situation. But, yep. you know, as far as the, these deep leagues, dynasty mode situations, it would have to be league dependent on whether you traded guys like Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Klenick. I mean, to you, they'd be almost hands-off players, right? Spencer Torkelson, why would you trade him? You wouldn't. Uh, in order for me to trade one of those top five guys, it, it would have to put me – I would trade one of them for a championship, basically, in my league. If, if they're not going to put me over the top to win a title, I'd rather just keep them for the next 10 years. How does it go backwards, though? How does predicting prospects who are some, there's been a lot of great prospects, top elite prospects who don't pan out. There's a lot of reasons why that can happen. Do you pinpoint certain reasons for that that is kind of universal, or is it just, again, a really case by case situation? Yeah, like organizational structure, um, motivation, things like these. Absolutely. I mean, all those different things, different organizations are better at developing talent. Different players have a better work ethic. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of players who, and this goes to all sports, but they just have natural talent. They're really good. They're faster. They grew up around people. They're just better than them. And they try to carry that to the highest levels. And some of them are really good, but there's a level you get to in all professional sports where it can't just be about your talent you will, you'll get exposed eventually. And so it's, it's the guys who realize that maybe they don't think of it like that, but they, you know, like the greatest player of all time in basketball, to a lot of people is Michael Jordan. He also has one of the best work ethics. He trained like he was trying to make the league, you know, on a daily basis, Kobe Bryant, same way. So it's like players, I, I, I look at mindset and work ethic a lot of the guys who don't work out, if you knew what was going on in their head and behind the scenes, you'd, you'd say, I get it. I, I know why it didn't work, but we don't have that access to that information. It just seems like they didn't develop. What they were really doing was probably hanging out with their friends too often or just not, not improving enough to become a top level professional. Didn't we say, or we didn't say, but Andrew Vaughn, Andrew Vaughn is a guy we didn't mention in terms of 2021 impact, and he's being drafted like he will be a part of this team in many redraft leagues. Andrew Vaughn, yay or nay? It's the same thing. I mean, if I knew exactly when he's going to be up, um, I do think he's going to be up this year. Uh, he's my number seven dynasty prospect behind the other six I've named. Oh. And, uh, basically, he's, he's just like if Torkelson's a 10 out of 10, Vaughn's a nine or an eight. 8.5 like he's going to be a top five first baseman down the road as well does everything well just not quite as elite as Torkelson um again it keeps coming back to the redraft part of this I'm going to be the one who avoids these players because I've been burned so many times being the one who didn't avoid them and you know in the past I'd be all over Andrew on take him <laughs> dash him hoping he's going to come up and take over the world. And it just, it just happens. It just never happens that way. Basically not enough to keep doing it. Damn it. Why? Nothing ever works out for us. I actually think Bobby Witt jr. To me is like one of a top five dynasty player. I think he's got, if it all comes together. 
Yeah, I, I, absolutely. He's he's a top five players as soon as some of these guys graduate off my list. As as is, I mean, he's an elite. He's an elite guy. Has a lot of good tools. He's going to put it all together. I I like him a lot because he's going to steal bases. Uh, I think uh, this is the big knock that maybe he can't hit for average. That's that is the one thing hit hit tool. Yeah. Which you know there maybe there are people out there that think he's going to be a 240, 250 hitter with all the home runs and steals and stuff, which still has value. But if he's able to unlock it and or be a little bit better than that, it's a it's another five category guy that. Uh, you know, a Trevor story type of guy. What about, what about the hype with Randy Rosarina? He's exploded. And I loved Randy Rosarina coming into 2021 before the playoffs, because he was low. He was ADP like 250 in the two hundreds or later. And I was going to jump all over that, but now he's being drafted as a top 60 overall player because of his playoff run. And I'm not going to pay the value. I'm not going to pay the price, but what we saw from a Rosarine in the playoffs and his late September run last year, is that really the player he's going to be all the time? Absolutely not. I mean, there's, really, <laughs> there's no player that can be that good all the time. Right. I mean, he was all time, all time level in the playoffs. So. But as a player, as a, a talent, he's good. Not great. I think that's fair. I, I definitely don't think he's a top 60 player in the major leagues right now. Um, the Rays mess with their lineups a lot. I mean, Rosarena wasn't even really on the radar coming into the season, and now he's their no. Like he he goes cold for a month. He might be back into platoon or something. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but <laughs> this is a team who would do it. They just they would sit him down if he's not a stud yeah. and someone else is hitting better. So there's just too much risk involved. Plus, it's the sophomore slump thing I talked about. Not that that's always real, but these pitchers are smart. Like they study people. They know more about Randy Rosarena than they did in the playoffs right now. They have a plan to attack him. And I think he's going to probably strike out a bunch. And I don't think he's going to live up to that average trap position. Finally, finally, somebody who I can agree with on this. I just don't want to pay for that. I love a Rosarina too. I really love his skill set. I loved him when the Cardinals traded him to the Rays. I thought the Cardinals were making a mistake, but they also had a lot of outfielders. So who cares? Regardless, the talent was there. I'm just not paying that price for it now and let it come back down to earth. And maybe he'll be lower in like the 150s or 60s next year. I don't want him to fail. I'm just seeing what you're seeing. And I'm not trying to agree with you on everything. But I wanted someone to say it who knows more about prospects than I do. And you said it. Thank you. What about Joe Adele, though? Joe Adele of the Angels brought up too soon. People were hyped. He was hitting pretty well in minor leagues, but it did not translate in the short season. Should we just throw that out the window? Or like Joe Men seems to indicate, he needs more seasoning, a little more seasoning. Well, Joe Adele, uh, I'm very high on him another guy who has a bunch of tools. Uh, basically, I don't think he was ready. I think he was rushed to the majors. Uh, I'm not surprised that he struggled in this first time through. Um, I mean, we have to remember Mike Trout came up when he was 19 and batted under 200. There you go. So it's like when it clicks with this guy, it's another guy who's just going to help you and everything. He's going to be able to steal. He's going to be able to hit home runs. 
Um, again, it's not someone I'm necessarily counting on for 2021. These are the, you know, I love prospects until they become major leaguers, then they have to reprove themselves to me as major leaguers because there's usually an adjustment period. It's very few players who come in, dominate the game and never look back like Albert Pujols or something. Yeah. God, I know I keep, I keep thinking of names as we keep talking here. I'm just, I know I keep throwing them at you, but Jose Garcia of the Reds uh, got a cup of coffee last year and he looked really nice. I really liked what I saw from him. The speed, power, very young though, very young, but I like what I saw. He seemed to be kind of prepared for the moment. And there was a lot of Reds players who could not perform offensively last year. Is he really going to be the guy? Do you think that the Reds will go with him as their shortstop? I mean, there was talk of the Glaber Torres and Luis Castillo deal, a lot of rumors and hearsay involved in that, but it seemed like there was an opening for a shortstop opportunity there. What, what do you think of that situation and that player, Jose Garcia? Well, the first thing I'd want to know is whether or not the Reds are planning to win this year. I guess I haven't been following that aspect of, it, of things, but if they are, I assume they're open to an upgrade. Um, he's still really young and does have upside. I don't see him as an elite prospect per se. I have some questions about his hit tool compared to some other guys I like a lot more. Mm. And I, but I definitely do think he's good. I mean, he was 20 or 21 years old playing shortstop in the major leagues. Uh, I don't think the moment was too big for him. I'm only speculating here, but a lot of those international players, uh, they've just been in big tournaments and big stages since they were kids. And I, I think in that aspect, a lot of them feel comfortable coming into, like Juan Soto, he didn't seem like a like a child. No. So it's like, I think there's, a, you know, a lot of them have to leave their families when they're 16 years old and and mature quickly compared to an American player, for example. So uh, I forget where I was going with that, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. That's fine. The Reds are in between trying to sell, but maybe not sell, and then still trying to go for it. They didn't re-sign Trevor Bauer, or they won't re-sign him. And their talk of selling players is still rampant, but nothing has officially been done. So who knows what the Reds will do. Our buddy at Fanatic, though, Paul Mamino, at P Mamino Fantasy on Twitter, one of the brain behind the data monster, P Mamino. He's going to be on the show soon, by the way. If you love Paul Mamino, and stay tuned to this podcast. But he loves him some Brennan Davis of the Cubs. And I'm in a home league with some Chicago homers. Should I be getting Brennan Davis in my home league keeper league and trying to rip them off because they think he's going to be the next Mike Trout or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I would, okay, first of all, I'll say I, I also love Brennan Davis. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, in the situation you described, I would want to trade Brennan Davis to these guys who love him, <laughs> right. not trade for him from them. Like, they're going to make you pay for him like he's Mike Trout. Make them pay for him like he's Mike Trout. That's how I would pursue it. Well, in that same league uh, years ago, I actually literally traded for Mike Trout by trading a Chicago Cub, Chris Bryant, who this was in 2016, the year he won the MVP, right? When they won the World Series, but it was before the season started. So Chris Bryant was very hyped, but he wasn't the Chris Bryant that we knew or the one that we no longer know wherever he is today, which is very sad. So yes, always take advantage of those Chicago homers and they do listen to this podcast. So now I'm giving away my secrets. Uh, shit. 
Yeah, and that works yeah. for any league. I mean, know your know who you're playing against. If they're all fans of one team, you know, trade them those players. All right, fair enough. Uh, well, I want to ask you about one more guy because there's a lot of confusion since Scooble and Mize came up for the Tigers last year. But the guy who might be the best of the three, Matt Manning, was not brought up. What do you think of Matt Manning at this time? Could he be the best of the three? I know Mize has all of the – he's got the pitch mix. He's got the talent. That's why he was number one overall. But Matt Manning wasn't brought up. Maybe that's for a reason because they're more excited about him. Yeah, I, I actually think it was kind of – similar to Mackenzie Gore, how Mackenzie Gore was. I just, I, I just think they thought about it internally. The Tigers talked about it and just decided it was best for his development to just not be part of all that madness going on last year for just a, a little bit. Plus, I think he tweaked his arm down the end of the year last year. So they were just being overly cautious with him. Okay. I personally do think he is their best pitching prospect. I like him over Casey Mize. I think he has a higher ceiling. And uh, he's a player who started pitching. He was a multi-sport player in high school. I remember and played basketball and was really good. And so basically my point is he's, he's still relatively new to pitching and he's showing some pretty incredible growth in a short period of time. Um, He has all the things I look for in pitchers, right? He control and size and, uh, yeah, everything that people want pitching. So I'm really high on Matt Manning going forward. Yes, I love to hear that. And if you're a dynasty owner who has Matt Manning, you got to love to hear that too. Michael, I want to ask you, we kind of hinted at it earlier, or rather you did. Hitters over pitchers in dynasty when it comes to prospects. Why? That seems to be the universal opinion from a lot of people I talk to who know a thing or two about prospects or compete in dynasty leagues. They'd rather take hitters because they seem to hit more frequently than pitching prospects do. And if you take a bunch of pitching prospects, you could be left holding the bag on a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the, there's a lot of reasons, I guess, but pitchers are injury prone more so than hitters, I think. And one thing that's pretty obvious is they only play every five days, most of them. So basically, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to put into words exactly why I pitching is just so much harder to predict. Uh, everyone can tell you who's really good at pitching, and then they're not. Like that year, <laughs> like it's just like some guy who's being picked in the top ten of pitchers right now. He's going to have a bad season because that's the nature of the game. Baseball's hard. Pitching is hard. It's just it's harder to predict. It takes longer for most of them to become good. Yeah, it's a tough game. Some of those great hitters become good when they're 19 and 20. Some of these pitchers, it doesn't happen until they're 25, 26, 27. So it's just you can trade for pitchers easier too. Mm -hmm. There's just just better approaches to building a pitching staff than to trying to develop them holding them for years in your minor leagues. One last question I want to ask you about your prospect analysis. If you had to sell yourself, if people come up and they want to know what you think, why should they listen to you? What do you bring to the table when it comes to prospect analysis that says, Hey, you know what? I'm your guy because I see a, B and C as opposed to what other people see or are all prospect analysts created equal. Well, 
no, I don't think all prospect analysts are created equal. Um, different people are on different levels. They have different skill sets. Basically, the thing that I do that I think makes myself stand out, and the reason I got into this was my willingness to take gambles on young players that I see special tools. Basically, people are just, there are people who will, they're just not willing to take an 18 year old. They just won't do it. It's like, I'm not waiting for three years. But does, I just named off all these prospects. They're all 18, 19, 20. These are the best prospects in baseball. And you can't, you can't get them when they're 22 or whatever. It's just gonna cost too much. So the thing that I do is I feel like I can, I'm good at identifying those really high young upside guys that have very minimal experience or very minimal stats to go off of and saying, this is a guy to go for now. You know, other lists I'll look at, I'll see the guy at 148 overall. On my list, he's at 74, you know, stuff like that. I'm willing to push up those guys who could become the next Wander Franco before other lists. And a lot of times it ends up being accurate that I did so. Beautiful. That was an excellent breakdown. I put you on the spot and you passed with flying colors. Well done. Yes, sir. That's Michael Richards. Run Fanatics own prospects guru, the man in charge when it comes to prospects. This is the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo, Fantasy Baseball Podcast, two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Michael, it's now time to play Shine or Ride the Pine. I'm going to give you projections. This is going to be a prospects type edition. Most of these players I'll give you, in fact, all of them, I hope, are prospects on the brink or have had a little tiny taste of a cup of coffee in the major leagues, and I'm going to give you their 2021 projections. You're going to say shine or ride the pine. You got it? Yep, I got it. Great. Let's roll the tape. All right, first man up is Nate Pearson. Very highly touted prospect of the Toronto Blue Jays, 24 years old now. Had a cup of coffee, had some arm trouble last year, but hopefully he's ready to go for 2021. According to Ariel Cohen, these are the ATC projections that we are using on today's show. You can check those out on Ariel's Twitter and on Fangraphs, of course, where you can always find the ATC projections. Nate Pearson, 127 innings pitched. Shine or ride the pine? Shine. Woo, all right, okay. Not worried about the arm trouble? No, it's another thing where I just think they were being cautious with him because he's such a big part of their future. Oh, I like to hear that. That makes me happy. Alex Kirilov, a man you mentioned earlier on the show. 2021 expectations. 511 plate appearances. Ooh. Well, it's hard for me to give an exact answer on that. If he... <laughs> If, if they intend on playing him every day, then it's a shine. If, if there's any ideas about him not being an everyday player or starting in May or June, then it's obviously not a shine. 
Yeah, well, hey, you got to go with your gut here. Whatever you can think of with the information you have in front of you, that's all you can do. No pressure. Don't worry about it. I mean, I'll go with Shine. I think Kirilov's the future really good player. So yeah, I want him to succeed. That's what I'm talking about, Michael. Put your money where your mouth is. I respect that. That's cojones right there. All right. Tristan McKenzie came on the scene last year. Was pretty exciting. I remember I started him against the Tigers. He threw 10 strikeouts. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy because I wasn't expecting much in that start. ATC has him pegged for a 9.35K per nine. Shine or ride the pine on that 9.35K per nine this year? I'm going to ride the pine on that one. Uh, I do like Cleveland pitching prospects, but I don't think he's ready to be that type of K per inning type of player. I, I would I would compare him kind of to like maybe like a Dustin May in that sense. Where I think his stuff is further along than the actual results. If that makes any sense. Sure. No, I get it. Kiebert Ruiz, another highly touted catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers World Series champions. But the question is Will he get playing time? And according to ATC, they're expecting him to participate in 14 games. Shine or ride the pine? You want to go over or under that? Uh, I'm going to go ride the pine on that one. I mean, I think Will Smith, I don't know the major leaguers as well, but if they have a second catcher, major league catcher to play with Will Smith, and mm-hmm. Ruiz is an emergency player, Absolutely. I mean, Will Smith is the stud, the guy that runs the show there. Then they have Austin Barnes, the old savvy veteran, to back him up. So unless yeah, there's an injury, if there's an injury, then maybe Keeper will get the call. But even still, he might need – I mean, he came up last year, he hit a home run. It was a lot of fun. But I, I think I side with you. I, you should trust your gut on that one. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Ryan Jeffers. Um, Ryan Jeffers, a name I wasn't even familiar with till he came up last year. Uh, was he highly touted? I know he was a uh, second-round pick in the MLB draft when he was drafted by the Twins, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he has, he's been known to have some power, but he's just he's an older catching prospect, so he's going to kind of be overlooked like all of them are. Right. I mean, he's not as old as Mitch Garver, but he is 23 years old. He'll be 24 by the time opening day kicks off. We are going to go with... Nine home runs for Ryan Jeffers this year. Shine or ride the pine. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say shine on that one. Oh, I think, I think he's gonna get you know a backup start, backup catcher at bats, and I think he can hit around ten home runs with that. Hell yeah! Here's a guy, Alejandro Kirk, Roto Nino. Our friend George Montanez loves him some Alejandro Kirk. The question is though, can these projections really be? True to form, 39 runs scored for Alejandro Kirk. Shine or ride the pine? An interesting one. Run scored on a deep team and a catcher. Got to uh, play, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say ride the pine on that one. For this good season. call. I think that's a good call. I like that. Bobby Dalback of the Boston Red Sox. There's a guy. He's a he's a slugger. He's kind of like a, Man- a Miguel Sano type almost, right? He swings, hits the ball really hard, but he misses a lot. Mm-hmm. For 2021, how about this? 
27 home runs. 27 means this is an expectation of full playing time. Shine to ride the pine on 27 bombs from Bobby Dahlbeck. I'm riding the pine on that. Uh, I, I do think he's a pretty decent hitter with some power, but like you said, that's that's 500 plus bats with him playing well. Exactly. Exactly. That is, I mean, you're really just making a decision on whether you believe he'll get to play a lot or not. And, and you know, the Red Sox, they have some players. I mean, their pitching's awful, but their hitters are not so bad. They have a lineup that I think is solid. But Dahlbeck did have a hot run last was it August or September. He hit like eight home runs and six home runs yeah. in a week or something like that. It was a terror. I remember covering it for Rota Fanatic, and I was impressed. But it yeah, was all I think or nothing. He has a power where he can. He can carry you for a week in home runs in like a head-to-head league or something. Like, but as far as every single day in the lineup doing well, I'm not. I'm not buying him on that level. Couple more here, Michael Kopic. Now, Michael Kopic set out last year. Um, he had more than just COVID. There's been some mental health issues, and he also said injuries. So we have not seen much from him recently. 2021, though, projections from Ariel Cohen says. 111 innings pitched. Shine or ride the pine on that one? I'm going to ride the pine on that one, especially with a player who hasn't pitched in a while. I mean, this is similar to an injury situation. I think I think they're going to be a little cautious with him, and that alone will keep his innings down. Uh, I think I agree with you on that one. Uh, Nolan Jones of Cleveland, he hasn't broke through to the major leagues yet as far as i know and he does have a projection though given 14 games 58 plate appearances which would be you know just a late september call-up will you take 14 games shine or ride the pine i think this depends on if cleveland's good i'm gonna guess they're not since they just traded Lindor. they got good pitching but their hitting's not good enough so yeah I'm going to say shine on that. I, I do think he's going to play for them down the stretch because they want to see where he's at. I agree. I think he'll play more than that. If Depending on the season goes the way I think it'll go, he'll play more because there's opportunity. They have a, a lot of holes on offense. And if someone can come through like Nolan Jones and make it happen, hell, why not? Here's a guy I really like a lot. Yeah, he's 24 years old already, though. Tyler Stevenson of the Cincinnati Reds, the backstop. He swings... And the ball goes very far in 2021. Can we expect six home runs in limited duty from Tyler Stevenson next year? Yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. I mean, I, I look at him on a similar level as Ryan Jeffers, maybe a little bit higher on Jeffers, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's going to get backup catcher at bats probably. And he's got enough power to hit six. You're higher on Jeffers than Stevenson. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking like 20 spots in the top 300 list difference, but. Well, still, yeah, that, that's interesting. It's the same, I guess, same tier player. Okay. All right. I find that fascinating still because I really like Stevenson and I thought Stevenson, I would have put Stevenson above Jeffers, but I respect your opinion more than I respect my own. So I'm going to take your word on that one. All Jeffers, right. There it is. Jeffers reminds me of Mitch Garber, actually. Oh, I is that bad could, or good? Uh, good for a catching prospect. Okay, well, there was one great season from Garver, so uh, that is a positive. Last year was a wash, but, you know, it was a goofy year. All right. 
There it is. Shine or ride the pine. Kind of a prospect edition there. Prospects on the brink. Uh, people with a cup of coffees. People who want to play more, but will they? We'll find out how it all plays out on the Palazzo podcast. That leaves us with our final segment. It's time for email and tweets. That's right. We got emails and tweets. People really want to talk to you about prospects. So get prepared because we got a whole bunch of them to go with here. All right. Let's take it from the top. First off is with some J2 guys. This is from Ralph Alterigio Jr. Ralph Alterigio Jr. at Don't Be Ralphie. That's his Twitter handle. With some J2 guys being so young, as well as not having a ton of tape on them, how do you make an evaluation of their talent? And where do you rank them in your first year player drafts? Well, that's a good question. That's when I have to look at what I have to go off of. Um, some of the stuff I talked about earlier, just like the basic stuff, hit tool, speed, baseball IQ, work ethic, you know, just a bunch of different little things that I've seen in other prospects from the past. So basically that's what I do. It's like, I, I, I can just, it's hard to explain but I've just, I've done it enough times now where it's just like an intuition thing. Like, oh, this is like that guy. And then it, I'm just trying to get better at how to teach it to people because it, it's something that's really been successful for me. But the best way is just look at the common things that top prospects have and then see if, see if there's guys that are off the radar that are young that have some of those things going for them. By the way, for those that don't know, first-timers of the podcast, what does J2 mean? J2 stands for July 2nd. Oh, is, international? Which is when the international players usually sign. They didn't this year, but in usually. So it's a reference to July 2nd. Oh, I didn't know that. I I know what uh, international prospects are and that there's a different period for them. I just never heard of it called J2. This guy, Ralph Altericio Jr., you must know your shit, man. Hell yeah. Wow. Oh, he also says he hasn't jumped on J2 guys in the past for more ready guys, and it burned him. Oh, yeah, that's another part I wanted to. I rank them, the ones that I think have those tools I mentioned, I rank them aggressively compared to other lists. I see, like I mentioned earlier, the, my little specialty in doing this stuff. So someone like Wilman Diaz, Christian Hernandez, Carlos Colmenares, the guys who profile as those next elite prospects from that group mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just willing to take them where i need to to ensure that i get them i'm not going to take them over guys that are college players that i think are studs like torkelson or something but once it gets down to like i'm looking at a bunch of pitchers and high school bats and college guys that i don't think have huge upside i mean i'm, I'm all over those guys nice Tim Raider at TJCO1006 on Twitter says, deep dive question, one hitter and one arm outside the top 100 that has a chance to be a consensus top 50 prospect next year, this time next year. One hitter and one arm outside the top 100 that has a chance to be top 50 in a year. Okay, I'll go with hitter first. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom from Oakland. He's a 2020 draft pick, and the more I see him, the more I like him. He's listed as a catcher prospect, but I think he's going to become a third baseman. 
And there's, I've even heard some whispers of him having some Bryce Harper like qualities in him. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking him out and uh, getting him now if you can. Uh, a pitcher that comes to mind. Uh, let's see. I'll get, uh, oh, he just got hurt, so that's not a great example. I'll go with Matthew Allen, a pitcher for the Mets. Like oh. 19, he's 19 years old. I just did some pitcher stuff on Twitter, and I was looking at ages of different players, and I pretty much determined he's the third best 19-year-old in the minor leagues amongst wow. pitching prospects. So he's someone I could see being a top 100 player this time next year and even higher in the future. Damn, you dropping some knowledge on this show. I love it. Tim Rader, there you go. Your question has been answered. Thank you for submitting your question to us. Always appreciate the connection in the community as we build and grow our own little world here. And Daniel Fox with two X's. Daniel Fox says, which prospects outside your top 50 could you see being top 15 prospects in a year from now? Top 15. Ooh, outside the top 50. Okay, top 15. That's a tough, that's a tough jump. Yeah, that's even further than the other one. Yeah, I mean, there's not, I wouldn't, if you want the honest answer, I don't know that I would project any of them to be confidently to be top 15. In a year if from I, now. If I was going to do it, it would be someone who has really high upside that's young right now. So maybe like uh, Luis Rodriguez, for the Dodgers or Hedbert Perez for the Brewers. That's deep. And, yeah. you know, to rise that fast is pretty unusual, right? Yeah. I mean, especially, yes, exactly. And to get up to top 15 level, you have to be a certain level of player already in a way. So it's, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult for someone who's ranked 65 to be number 14 a year from now. Another part of his question is, what's the major difference between how you deal with your farm system in keeper leagues that have five NA spots and legit dynasty leagues? Well, dynasty leagues, you have a lot more roster spots to collect more prospects. So in leagues like that, I would, I would only be targeting players either. There's two different ways I would use them. I would use the spots for players who are close to the majors that I expect to help me in that season to help me win in 2021 or whatever, or I would just use it for, to collect only the most premium top 20 level prospects and just always have them stockpiled with five of the 20 best players in the league. Yeah. That's what I figured you might say on that. He also wants to know, can you compare the upside of Hancock, Lacey and Meyer? These are all on the brink recently drafted pitchers, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, I like them all. Uh, they all could end up being number two level starters. Early uh, in the draft process, by the way, uh, Hancock was supposed to be the guy that the Tigers would take number one overall before Torkelson emerged. Yeah, I remember that actually. And I, I know a little bit about Hancock because the Mariners actually ended up taking him. I was pleased with that decision at the time. But uh, I, I've talked to so many different people about these guys and everyone likes them. And there's a different order everyone has a, them in a different order and I view them all as similarly level players, I guess, um, with some, 
if I had to pick one over the others, I would go with Max Meyer for several reasons, but uh, the main one being he hasn't had as much mileage on his arm as some of the other guys, which I think is important. And I'm still a little hesitant on Hancock because it hasn't been really been explained to me why he fell in the draft. And I know drafting is not everything, but... It wasn't monetary? It could have been, again, it, it may have been something like that, but I, five teams are going to pass on the best player. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe, know. I, don't, I don't understand that stuff as well as the prospect stuff. So Maybe Brady Singer ends up being the best from his draft class, and he fell a long way because of money. That's true. You I wouldn't know. put my money on him becoming the best, but it is possible. <laughs> Shit, well, that bums me out. I really like Brady Singer, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be good either. Uh, right. This is another question uh, kind of similar to what was just asked. This is from Sam FBB, who also lives in your area. I do know that. He's out in the Seattle, Washington area. Which first-year pitchers might see action in the majors this year? Is there any first-year player draft pitchers that can see major league action in 2021? Any of the guys mentioned, like Meyer, Lacey? Or? I don't think so. I don't think – I think they're more 2022 guys, probably. The first guy who comes to mind is kind of an easy answer, but it's Garrett Crochet. Right, that happened last year, right? Yeah, so it's already happened. So I know he's on their plans, you know, and he's a, he's eligible in first year player drafts. So you don't see it very often. I remember the there was the Royals player who was from TCU. I think he came up the year he was drafted when the Royals won the World Series, or they were in the World Series. Can't yeah, remember. Exactly. I think they might have done the same thing with Chris Sale. Uh, brought him up as a reliever uh, the year he was drafted. Uh, is there a Mariners prospect that's going to play in the majors this year besides Kalenic? This is again from Sam FBB show friend, friend of the show, by the way, Sam, we love you, Sam. You're the man. Well, um, I assume he's talking about play more than a cup of coffee. I guess I would say, hmm, I have to say, I think their pitchers are close to any of them could come up. Maybe Taylor Trammell. The ah. I, I could see them. He's kind of the next in line to get a shot. I could see maybe even them bringing him up before Julio Rodriguez just to see if he's part of their their plans because they already know Julio Rodriguez is. Okay. So, and they're, they're not going to be in contention. They're not going to be a good team this year. So it's really about do they think it's best for Julio Rodriguez to come up and play this year but Trammell should be able to get some, I assume he's going to get his first real shot at major league time this year. Well, Sam, who the hell knows, but if anybody has a decent idea, it's my guy, Michael Ridges here. That's it. That's our tweets and emails. We really loved having your participation. You guys really came to the, came to the forefront for us there. When we asked you delivered and that's all you can ask for truly appreciated. Thank you again for listening to our latest episode of the Hey, it's Enrico Plazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Michael Richards has been our guest. We've talked dynasty and prospects as deep as we possibly could in the allotted time we were given. Michael, tell people what your Twitter handle is again and also what they can expect from you here in the next month or so as we head into the start of the regular season from and you know on rotofanatic.com or anywhere else. Yeah. First of all, I want to say thanks for having me on. You know, I'm pretty new to this podcast stuff, so you took a chance on me and, uh, you know, I won't forget that. Uh, 
looking forward to working with you and the other guys at Roto Fanatic as we go forward. Right on, man. Over the next month, I'm going to be just grinding away on prospect lists after prospect list to first year player draft list, top 300 list. I, I'm doing another dynasty list with major leaguers and minor leaguers together and just daily interaction on Twitter, helping people where I can and just learning from the people who are smarter than me. Fantastic. Michael, you're new to the game, but you have a lot of knowledge. And even if you're a little short on experience, you're deep on analysis and you know what you're talking about. There's nothing that can't be covered with you when it comes to prospects, first year player drafts. You're the guy, man. And I want to give you a lot of credit for coming on a pod and taking a chance, putting yourself out there. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but you did it and you should commend yourself for it. And we'll definitely have you back on as the year goes along. All right, thank you very much for having me, and I look forward to the next time we can talk. Hell yes! Don't forget, this is the Plazo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Plazo Podcast on Twitter. Send us a DM. I'm uh, at MJGovier on Twitter. You can send me a DM. Share your thoughts with me, even on non-fantasy stuff. You just want to talk about your feelings. More than happy to do it. Fuck it. I'm always down. I am an open book. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching our videos. Thanks for doing everything. Don't forget Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, rotofanatic.com, the data monster. Thanks again to Michael Richards, and we will see you for our next show, which is going to be featuring some top-notch guests. They just keep on rolling in. Stay tuned, and Godspeed. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.